everyone, and welcome to my show, The Appellate Wanderer. This is a show where we explore how the rest of the world does appellate practice. I'm your host, Rafi Melkonian, an appellate lawyer here in Houston, Texas. As you all know, my goal in this show is to satisfy my curiosity to learn about the appellate legal systems of many of the other democracies across the world. What works? What doesn't? What can we learn? And most important, how are we all connected together as appellate lawyers and practitioners? Uh, today, I'm very honored to have as my guest, uh, Judge Michael Swan uh, from Stockholm. He's on the, and I'm going to butcher all this pronunciation, but the Svea Court of Appeals, which is an intermediate court of appeals for the Swedish system. He is active on Twitter. Uh, you can find him um, if you follow me. He is the media judge for his court. So he has a special responsibility to communicate with journalists, as well as encouraging other judges to communicate with the media. He was a trial judge in a district court before his current job and has practiced in a law firm and at one point was the a legal advisor to the Ministry of Industry. Welcome, uh, Michael. Thank you very much. I feel very honored and pleased to be here. I mean, I guess I'm the, your first European participant in your program. So that's, of course, very honored to be here. Extra honored. Well, thank you. And yes, you are my first European judge or lawyer. And in fact, you're the first active judge I have. So that's uh, very exciting for me as well. So I guess I want to start this program with how I start most of my recordings and to talk a little bit about your background as a lawyer and as a judge. Uh, so, you know, in America, often the story is that the lawyer is someone who is good at reading and they go to university and they can't think of anything else uh, to do with their life. So to law school, it is. But I would love to hear about how you became a lawyer and maybe a judge in the end. Well, let's see. I mean, you pinpointed, you already told there my story, <laughs> I guess, that uh, I was excluding a lot of other uh, stuff. I was quite, had good grades and uh, I liked to write essays and I was kind of good at it. My teacher read it out aloud uh, <laughs> and I'm the failed um, author type, I guess. And uh, you get to write a lot. And I, I also appreciate meeting people, different kind of people, and um, yeah, different environments also. You see a lot of uh, them, so that's um, interesting. Yeah. I tried a, a bit different views also uh, years as an attorney, which I guess it's it's kind of normal in uh, for the U.S. to have a lawyer background. It's not really um, normal. Here you can do only career in the state or, or uh, a judge career more. Yeah. I love the part where you said that your essays were read out loud by your teacher. I, that also used to happen to me, but I have to confess, it did not make me very popular in school. So, <laughs> uh, But um, yeah, no, that's that's a very typical path, I think, for a lawyer. I want to talk next a little about uh, Swedish legal education. So as you may know, in the United States, normally you go to an undergraduate university in any subject, and then you move to law school. And law school is a postgraduate degree, not an undergraduate degree. And that there's a lot of uh, disagreement about that among our 
you know, fellow countries, uh, you know, in Mexico, it's one way, South Africa, it's another way. How is it uh, like in Sweden? We have uh, university education. It's uh, four and a half years, mainly. Well, before that, we have what we call gymnasium for three years, which I guess I don't know if it's kind of high school or how how I would uh, translate that. But it's kind of about five years at the university. And then it's uh, like a mixture of uh, courses, um, mandatory courses and uh, courses that you can uh, choose yourself, have a direction. And um, you write your exam paper in the where you want to go. Okay, so maybe in the first couple of years you take the more general courses. Would that be fair yeah. to say? Yeah. And also, which is kind of the practical education, is two years or maybe one and a half at the district mm-hmm. court um, as a judicial clerk there. A lot of people do that. Uh, it's like you're obligated to do that if you are want to be a judge, but uh, a lot of lit, uh, lawyers do that also. Okay. And before I get to that, I, that's, I, I do want to talk about the path to becoming a judge because that's so different than in the United States. But uh, how many law schools, good law schools are there? Like if you're a young uh, high school student, which I think is the equivalent of gymnasium or gymnasium, if you're a good student from there, what would you be choosing between which university? Now that's a bit delicate subject because I don't want to. <laughs> ah. don't want to because we, I can't really say in terms of good or bad, but the more ancient one, the, the classical sure. ones are, are uh, in uh, Lund in the south and Uppsala a bit north of Stockholm and Stockholm. I would say those three but we also have in, in Göteborg and in Örebro and in Karlstad, other places and in the north of Sweden. And I, because they are more new, more modern, I wouldn't say that they are, are less, uh, but, but I would say the classical ones are those three. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And of course, uh, I wasn't uh, trying to <laughs> make you say bad things about the others, you know, but that 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 helps a lot. And then, so when you're going through Swedish university for law, in America, what you would do normally is work for a lawyer in the summer, whether it's a judge or some kind of law firm or the government. What do Swedish students do when they're home from the summer uh, from law education? Well, it could be the same um, and uh, do some practice at a law firm or also a court. This is, I did that uh, at the court so I guess it could be the same, differing how how much advanced the tasks are, of course, that they will will do. But um, yeah, at, of uh, we have had students, uh, and um, they do kind of judicial clerk work at at my court, so they help a lot. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. And so let's say you are going to the path of becoming a judge. I think in Sweden, it's different than in the United States. In the United States, judge is something you usually become when you're senior in your career. So it's not a path. You practice as a lawyer for many years, and then you become a judge. But my understanding is in Sweden, it's different. You can start the judicial career much earlier. Is is that basically right? Yeah, that's. Uh, I would say that basically right. Even though there is a kind of uh, 
move towards getting more experienced, maybe prosecutors and and, um, trial attorneys to become judges also. There is like a standard career where you, after these two years, take a path of changing your traineeship between uh, first and second uh, instance, and you get on the way more and more advanced cases to deal Mm -hmm. with. In the end of of your clerkship, you get to uh, sit on the bench and uh, be a judge in in um, lesser petty crimes like speeding, and so whether only fine. Uh, uh, so uh, even at quite quite young stage, young part of your career, you you get to be be a judge with oh. the, the lay judges done. Yeah. Okay, so that's very interesting. So let's say you went to law school when you were 19 or something like that, and you spend five years, so you're 24, and then two more years of the uh, postgraduate clerking, and then maybe you'll be doing small traffic crimes or something when you're 26 or 27. Is that basically right? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, in America, the way that would normally work is that even that kind of judge is often elected, uh, which I know you don't do in uh, Sweden, Mm -hmm. but even that kind of person is usually older and has practiced in that kind of litigation for many years before Mm -hmm. becoming a judge. That's an interesting difference. And it's not true of any of the other people I've spoken to so far. There was an uh, older colleague of mine, uh, I think heavily... Anglo-American influence who who call the younger judges for baby judges in, in but I think it's kind of not the quality of what they make because they are very very qualified but of course the how you look at judges uh, you want them to have the the respect and and look up to judges like you do in the Anglo-American countries but then again it gets a bit twofold if you say that judge tasks are are also possible to be be handed out to quite young people so it's a bit double there yeah no it's very interesting and when you say baby judges that makes me laugh because that's also the word we use uh for people who become new judges but of course they're old uh they're older they're in their 40s Uh or 50s but uh, often for example here in texas when you become elected a judge you are sent to what's called baby judge school uh, for a few mm-hmm. months to learn mm-hmm. how to be a judge because, you know, of course, you've never done it. Mm-hmm. I uh, think we have the kind of thing that working attorneys, experienced attorneys, it's possible to be on the panel of, of three judges in the second instance court for, for a while. And uh, then you have like a quicker route into be, becoming a judge that way. Like there is an interest to get more um, practitioners um, uh, into the judge system. Ah, okay. So maybe you've been practicing for some time and you want to become mm-hmm. a judge. You can go and do this work with the second instance court and yeah. then maybe transition to becoming a judge. Yeah, some further education. But there are some stops along the way. Like, for instance, if... if uh, Usually, private practice pays more than being a judge. So, yeah. But, um, well. All right. So, let me move to the hierarchy of the Swedish system because Mm -hmm. it's, um, I mean, it seems basically the same as most other countries that there's trial courts and 
Supreme Courts, but they, it's divided up a little more differently than in the Anglo-American countries. So why don't you talk to me a little about how the, the system works? Well, you know, trial mm -hmm. court, court of appeals, that kind of thing. We have two different systems, the basic uh, the division between the general courts on one hand and the administrative courts with the three instances in each system. And uh, at the top, of course, you have the Supreme Court, Högsta uh, Domstolen, in Stockholm, and uh, on the other system, you have the Supreme Administrative Court, Högsta uh, Förvaltningsdomstolen, also in Stockholm. Can um, I stop you there just for a second yeah, and ask you, yeah. uh, just so I understand, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce it, but Högsta or Högsta, that's Supreme. That's good, I take good pronunciation. Yeah. And then Domstolen or Domstolen, that means court, I take it. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. And then, so for the Administrative Court, for Faltning, I assume means administrative? Yeah, kind of. It's more maybe, uh, how to say, state management or, or, uh, or uh, state affairs. Uh, state affairs, okay. Affairs. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so excuse me for interrupting, but so th those are no, the two no. Supreme Courts yeah. that you have. Um, yeah. And then what's below them? Uh, below them you have, um, well, the second instance is Hovret, um, which is, well, Court of Appeal, and we have six of them, and then we have uh, Kammaret, uh, I don't really know, which kind of administrative Court of Appeal then uh, in, uh, in the other system, and then you have um, Tingsret, District Courts, we usually translate them at the first level, and Förvaltningsret, uh, uh, which is uh, also administrative courts, uh, first instance, uh, and um, there are more of, of them. And I would say the, the general courts, they deal with the criminal cases and cases with disputes between private parties. But And the administrative courts uh, are more about where the state is involved in some way, revoking licenses or giving permits and tax issues, uh, also uh, migration uh, and, um, well, different kinds um, uh, that more so okay so i've been on the general side all the time yeah yeah okay so you've uh, both as a district court judge and a court of appeals judge you've been on uh, yeah. the general court and so yeah. let me some, make some people go from one system to the other but i would say the normal thing is you stay uh, where, where you are because it's a lot of stuff anyway to take <laughs> yeah. to handle yeah yeah, no, that makes sense. And let me make sure I understand. So general, all crimes go into the general court. Yeah. All contract disputes, those kind of lawsuits, general court. Uh, what about like accidents? So like if there's some big accident and you want to sue someone, is that also mm -hmm. general court? If you want to sue someone for uh, damages for compensation, like tort law, it's uh, yeah. general court. But there are, of course, I mean, tax crimes, then the, the tax issues will be decided by administrative side and the crime will be decided ah. by the general side. And if you, you had the traffic cases, the crime will be um, educated in, in the um, uh, general side, but the li driver's license will be revoked uh, by the administrative court. So. Ah, okay, okay. All right, I understand. So the... You know, because you don't have a federal system, you know, the way we do, 
Obviously, mm. all of these are national courts. Uh, you know, yeah, not- yeah, yeah, it's true. I get all that. That's very interesting. What kind of law does Sweden have? Uh, I'm going to assume it's some kind of civil law based on mm. statute, but uh, you tell me. Yeah, you, you're completely right. It's the civil law system. And uh, I would say the basis coming from German law imported. I think uh, they are more attracted to form than we are. I have studied a bit comparative law. Uh, mm. And, and my uh, coming from Germany, my teacher said that uh, German uh, writ of summons looks like a very careful made and very maybe <laughs> maybe more complicated uh, than Sweden. So I think we have simplified uh, stuff a bit, but it's um, it, uh, probably taken from German law in the beginning. We put less emphasis on precedence, I think, than, than you are, and it's more written legal acts. Yeah. And also preparatory works in in some way to to interpret the legislation. But we also have precedents, and uh, uh, the Supreme Court has this rule to to guide through precedents. Um, it's funny what you say about the German system. I've litigated some cases that have branches in the United States, and then I've worked with German lawyers on the German side. And um, what has always frustrated my clients when dealing with German law is the formality of, of their system and how mm-hmm. you know precise it is. I've been on calls where my clients are complaining about the Germans and uh, <laughs> how yeah. exact they are. So that's funny. Okay. So Ad, I'm not sure how the system but in sweden also we have no i know you're not obligated to have a council uh, in oh. i mean you can uh, litigate for yourself which means that uh, i think the procedures how you meet people in court are structured that that you also meet uh, laymen and uh, i mean uh, anybody can write the writ of summons and start and uh, therefore it's kind of some of the job for the judges you coach them but you're not giving advice of course in the case because you are uh, impartial and so so there is a balance there too yeah no that's something i want to stop and talk about just for a second would someone represent themselves even in the second instance court yeah yeah mm. uh, okay so they would come before the court of appeals and make their arguments and if they don't know how to do it, the court would try to help them a little bit in terms of yeah. the procedure. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Very interesting. Well, let's go back to the district court now, the trial court. Let's say you receive a judgment from the trial court that you don't mm. like, uh, you want to mm. appeal. In America, you know, you file what's called the notice of appeal with the court of appeals. And then there's dense legal documents that are prepared, big documents. And then you go to the court and you argue. So let's start with the very first part of that. So you got this verdict from the mm-hmm. trial court. What do you do next in Sweden? Well, you then it's you have to act within three three weeks. Uh, but then you can hand in a very short document, uh, like also 
applying to state your case later on, but it's mm-hmm. important to follow this three weeks period. But and then so the district court would check that you do this in on time and then they would send your case to the court of appeal that them will will uh, maybe ask you to supplement with if if it's not clear what your claim is, what part of the judgment are you not satisfied with, and what evidence are you referring to, and how do you want your evidence presented? Is it uh, the witnesses? Do you want to call them again? Should they be present? Should they, because we record them on video, the normal thing is if that the Court of Appeal would look at the recordings from the videos. And then they could be in civil cases that for instance, uh, referring to new evidence, should this be allowed or not? Because we have rules that, that you are prohibited to get uh, new evidence in, in the second instance. But of course, most people have uh, legal counsel, but some of them, and, and I mean, in the criminal cases, you can have uh, maybe the first instance said, no, you can't have a public defender because as a rule, uh, the public defender gets paid by the state. But if you have an income, you, you are allowed, you are, you are obliged to, to pay some of, of this uh, fee for yeah. the defender. But in, for instance, where there's only a fine, uh, smaller crimes, you're not allowed to have a public defender. Um, yeah, we have... Uh, leave of appeal uh, requirement for all civil cases, including what I'm saying is civil cases. I mean both, uh, well, kind of commercial disputes and also family cases. I mean all cases right. that are not criminal cases. So all all those cases that are not criminal, you have leave of appeal. So a lot of cases get stopped there. There's no need to look at this further. The Court of Appeal just say no you're not allowed to litigate this in in the court of appeal but the criminal cases that only applies to fine where where you are uh, handed out a fine in the first instance then it's leave of appeal if you get a prison sentence you're up automatically in the second instance okay that makes sense so all civil cases you have to file a motion or something mm-hmm. for leave of yeah. appeal. And yeah. then uh, in criminal cases, the serious ones, you get an appeal, what we call in America as of right. So automatic mm-hmm. appeal. And yeah. then for very small ones, you know, you have to ask for appeal, yeah. like the civil case. So you said something very important in uh, your answer, and I want to make sure I talk about it, which is that you were talking about bringing evidence to the second instance court, to your court. So in America, that's unheard of. You know, you cannot bring Mm -hmm. witnesses or video and the court cannot evaluate the evidence except on a very deferential standard. So almost impossible to get evidence turned over in American court. But that doesn't sound the same in Sweden. Yeah, you told me that. and I was surprised. How is it in the criminal cases then? It seemed very tough to get acquitted uh, then if if you can't have a new review of the evidence or uh, yeah i'm if you're convicted in the first instance it's very hard to get a reversal on the facts you may win on the law so for example the court may find what you did is not a crime as a legal Mm -hmm. matter it's very unlikely for the court to say there's no evidence that you committed the crime because they're Mm -hmm. going to defer to the civil jury uh, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the criminal jury, excuse me. 
Anyway, it sounds totally different in Sweden. Yeah, it's it's different. And also these rules that, that you're not allowed to bring new evidence do not apply in the criminal cases. Ah. Of course, it's not so usual, but it's possible for a convicted person to say, now I, I want to hear this person also. And then, yeah, of course, uh, everyone wants that this will happen already in the first instance because you don't want to have like a new trial yeah, the second course, yeah. and i have seen cases there are not many uh, fortunately there are not many where second instance said well there's no fault committed in the first instance but we will send this back because there's so many new witnesses here so ah, okay uh, yeah so it's kind of a new case and it's strange to try this with all the witnesses uh, first time in the second instance. Yeah, uh, the, the American as, as, long, as long as it's relevant, of course you can't yeah. just call any witnesses, but if they are deemed relevant for the case, you can't stop it. Yeah, uh, there's an American appellate court saying that's relevant, which is we, the appellate court, are the court of review, not the yeah. court of first view. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, that sounds yeah. a bit like what's happening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where you say, and look, also two reasons behind this reform of starting video tape the witnesses. One was that you're saying that it should be review of the evidence. You get exactly the same what has been said. Uh, so the court of appeal will see not the witness doing a uh, new being interrogated yeah. once again. The second is. Uh, for the witnesses, that it's easier for them. You you just have to go to court once, and, and yeah, um, yeah. I mean, being a witness is very stressful. I think, and so yeah, and difference. and it's, in, in Sweden we have a long tradition of uh, not allowing uh, um, photos or or TV in the courtroom. It's completely forbidden, and uh, the reason behind it nowadays is is that you are should feel safe as a witness or a party that it's not online uh, afterwards um, because it's it's already quite tough because witnesses are are afraid of coming and so yeah yeah it was very interesting i went to your court websites to find recordings of court proceedings and there are not <laughs> no, because no. for this reason i think i send you this uh, moot uh, court i don't know if yeah yeah i saw it. that yeah yeah. Mm. Uh, no, that's that's great. Let me ask you this. Uh, so because it's hard for me as an American lawyer to even understand what this looks like. So let's take a very simple case, a criminal case, maybe one year imprisonment or something like that. Not a fine, a serious mm. case. Mm. Mm. Uh, so this person wants to appeal to your court mm. and they have a lawyer. So they come mm. to court. And the lawyer gets up and he maybe makes, I don't know, an opening statement. And then what does he do? He shows videos of the witnesses and he explains yeah. why uh, his client is innocent. Well, uh, we have the Court of Appeal has computerized them, the, the videos. So we have them already and, and we, we play them. Yeah, it could be either uh, if it's more than a day. Maybe only the panel will watch it, so the parties are excluded. We will watch them uh, for ourselves, and then the parties, uh, the prosecutor, and the well accused and and his um, defender will come back for closing arguments later. And also, there is all also a part 
regarding personal circumstances which could be of uh, interest and um, if there is still a prison sentence or it should be some kind of treatment instead. Okay, so what in America we would call that mitigation kind of evidence. In other words, evidence to uh, reduce the sentence or maybe change it to a different kind of sentence. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mm -hmm. you might be able to show that evidence. Okay. No, but what from what I I see of my detective stories from TV, <laughs> what I my education about American uh, procedure that you have it divided into uh, well the question of guilt and uh, yeah. punishment are are divided into two different uh, I guess more we handle them together always yeah. and it's always the same people who handle them yeah yeah. It's because true. as you uh, maybe know, uh, in some states, the jury finds guilt, but then the judge mm-hmm. imposes the sentence. Yeah, you know? I thought it was so everywhere, but... Uh, no, sometimes it... the jury is asked what sentence to give. Uh-huh, okay, that seems scary. But uh... Yes, very scary, I think. <laughs> okay, so now you've watched all the video and the the mm-hmm. lawyer has made an argument uh, again, we're in this relatively simple criminal case. I'm trying to mm, yeah. uh, simplify it. Uh, what do you do now? Do you go with your colleagues and you discuss the case? Or do you yeah, discuss, written? discuss the case. Maybe if the accused is in custody, we take a de- decision to let him loose or, or be still in, in custody. And then uh, we come back with and say that you will have the judgment in either one week or maybe usually two weeks from the Court of Appeal always says a date, but the Supreme Court, uh, not usually, they just said, if they, I mean, it's not very normal that they will have a main hearing in the Supreme Court, but if they have, they will just say the judgment is handed out later on. Okay. But for your court, you might say, you know, we'll issue an opinion or decision in one or two weeks. And yeah, in in the crim. Now we're talking about the criminal case. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in maybe larger commercial case, it would be one month, maybe or so. Okay. Yeah. Very mm. interesting. Okay. Now there's one more topic I want to talk about before we go to the Supreme Court to discuss, which is mm. your court has uses lay, what are called lay judges. In other words, non-judicial judges. They form an important part of your work. So uh, could you just describe what that is? Because, of course, we don't do this um, in America. Yeah, it's supposed to be and kind of is normal people, preferably from different backgrounds, a mixture of ages and sexes and, uh, well, backgrounds, but Swedish citizens. And um, they are um, appointed via political parties. Uh, They kind of... um, send representatives but during their a bit of schooling or information they are taught that they are there not as representatives from their parties but but judges because they're they have the voting rights like the judge uh, in the case the the judicial judge if it's a legal judge and in the first instance you have one judge and three lay judges and in the second uh, instance, you have three judges and two lay judges. So they're a minority uh, in the second instance. But if, for instance, you have a case uh, 
where, where the three lay judges say we want to convict and and, uh, and the judge says I want to acquit, there will be a conviction. Then he's, he's, he or she is outvoted. Okay, so it's not like the professional judge has more votes or anything like that. No, it was like that before that they had a kind of collective vote also, but that has changed. It's an old tradition. And um, the normal thing, absolute normal thing, is that the judge will write the verdict uh, or the sentence, the judgment for himself. So the lay judges are not involved in writing the judgment. I'm not an expert on Norwegian procedure, but I've heard that they also have lay judges and they will sign the judgment, uh, which is not the case in Sweden then. Okay. In Sweden, one of the professional judges will always write and yeah. sign the judgment. Yeah. Mm. But the vote will depend on... In the Court of Appeal, all three judges sign the judgment. All three and judges. It, it could, yeah. And if, if uh, there's a dissenting opinion, maybe from one of the lay judges, we will write that also. Oh, from, oh yeah. hold on. I want to talk about that. So... If one, let's say the two lay judges disagree and they want to explain why they disagree with you, with the mm. professional judges, one of the judges would write the dissent for the lay judges? Uh, yeah, normally. And to skip ahead a bit to my what's good about the Swedish practice is that we make it understandable and quite easy language. Yeah. But this development has maybe come back to bite us in the back because uh, <laughs> there was before you could kind of threaten the lay judge and say, if you're going to dissent, you have to write this for yourself. And then he or she would be scared because he couldn't <laughs> write the legal language. But yeah. nowadays we express ourselves clear and basic. So now it's the kind of other way around that uh, because you don't really kind of, well, maybe no, not in all cases, I'm, I'm going to, try to be a bit diplomatic here, you don't maybe in all cases want them to write for themselves. So it's better to, yeah. No, uh, I understand. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 Mm. And so there has has been some debate because Mm. uh, in one district court case, the judge was outvoted and there was some kind of a bit strange uh, reasoning about that the um, accused was from a fine family and uh, and and so on and he was uh, acquitted so internally i think we judges discuss how we would write mm. if we would write exactly what they say and or kind of sugarcoat it a bit because i also think it's you have to understand that they are maybe used to being politicians and driving a thing and and this is of course stuff that should last longer yeah, so they're not members of a jury like in the American system who are literally no. people you picked off the street. These are people who have connections with political parties, maybe they're local politicians, mm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And uh, since, I mean, they are coming back because I guess the jury is more one-off. or, or One-off, uh, yeah. Yeah, that they get kind of, experience then and yeah. so kind of training because they have a lot of cases uh, which is kind of good i mean you can know sometimes if it's a new uh, lay judge uh, <laughs> a bit more to discuss and how long is their term i think their term is four years kind four. of uh, similar to election um, 
term yeah. for politicians. Okay. But they are very much, uh, and they are not allowed to have any political brands on them. And usually we, the judges, don't know what political parties they are from. Ah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But they're they're chosen by the proportion of votes in the Swedish parliament or something like that. Yeah, or maybe in the commune, in the part, the local ah. part of where they are. There's also a rule that you have to be a, a resident uh, of this, the area where the court, uh, <laughs> I don't know the word. No, uh, I understand, you know, the district. The, the yeah. court has a yeah, district, yeah, the district, yeah. of course. So otherwise it could be a fault in the case if you take in somebody else. Usually if you have a, like a bias situation from a lay judge, you take in one lay judge from the administrative court from that district who you have uh, from the same district. Yeah, okay. That's very interesting. And so uh, one one final point. These judgments that you write, are they all very short? Are they all very long? How do they... How, how long? No, it, it depends really on the evidence and how many. I'm thinking about the criminal cases. I mean, they can last from maybe one hour. We have had criminal cases for maybe half a year or something like oh, this. Very okay. long. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the, then the judgment will be very long. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're going through the evidence and explaining why each evidence supports the conviction or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Very complicated work. And it also sometimes depends on on the judges because the format can be a bit different. It's up to the judges if you want to have everything that the witnesses have stated or, or, uh, well, if you kind of, yeah, summarize it. Right, right, right. Okay, Mm. that makes sense. So now let's move to the Supreme Court of Sweden. Um, Mm. So now let's say you have written an opinion or a judgment and the litigant does not like what you wrote. They want to appeal to the Supreme Court. How do they do that? Well, it's kind of the same, but now they have four weeks to do that instead of three weeks. And the the leave of appeal issue is much more narrow here. So leave of appeal to the Court of Appeal, the second instance, then we have it's okay to suspect that there was a wrong outcome in the first instance, but doesn't apply here. Here, it has to have like value as a precedent or maybe be a a grave error. Those two reasons behind it. And it's only 100 cases a year that are handled by or judgments from the Supreme Court. And uh, about half of them, about 50, is from my court because it's uh, not because I work there but because <laughs> it's the largest court of appeal of the yeah. six we have yeah so you could it's you know leave of appeal but it's much more like maybe the United States Supreme Court or some other court like that where you have to explain why the case has value mm-hmm. to the jurisprudence of the country yeah yeah um, yeah okay uh, and that the, makes sense and the supreme court i mean they are having some kind of list uh, that they uh, what they wishing for christmas or something but they, they we want to have in these areas uh, we would like to have cases or it could be of course if there are new new legislation could be interesting to sure. explain stuff uh, so and i would say now you think that maybe i'm just flattering for the sake of it but uh, okay. the modern supreme court 
judgments are very clear and very like, like small lectures in they have these numbered paragraphs and they explain yeah. so they they're very good yeah i have to assume that at the supreme court they don't sit and watch the videos again and all the evidence no no now, is it more on written papers no well in fact they have taken up one or two uh, evidence cases that they make well precedent of um, explaining that you we suggest you use this method for evaluating evidence ah okay yeah so yeah, sort of procedural question procedure yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, but otherwise they will um, not they will say that like you said then in in the second instance that they will start with using what has been proven in the second instance in this case yeah okay and, and then just and just discuss matters of law right yeah so more like what an american would think of as an appellate court you know really yeah. law based mm -hmm. so i looked on the website and it looks like there are 16 justices i think yeah of the yeah. swedish supreme court but they don't all sit on every case right they no, they no. sit as groups think, yeah a group of five i think usually and two of them but it differs which two are always in this uh, council of legislation that is kind of reviewing proposals for legislation and coming with suggestions from a legal aspect. So that makes uh, 14 active justices on the court. Oh, okay. So two of them are giving advice to the government on yeah, what you can kind say, of say things that. would be legal. Yeah. Mm, mm. Okay. So there's 14 justices. So how many sit on one case? So if we have our um, criminal case again that went up. Yeah, I think it's five uh, usually. And in the, um, well, of course, it's quite seldom, but if they want to change their, what is standing law before, they have to be full court to do that. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So all so Usually, all I think they would try to, to get around it to say mm -hmm. that we are not changing anything. We are just, uh, <laughs> yeah. well... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's very common with American judges too, where they just yeah, say, "Oh, okay. no, no, you misunderstood uh, <laughs> what we meant." It was this other thing? Yeah, but, yeah, mm. yeah. But if they're going to formally overrule the previous decision, like mm. they're going to say we reject that case, they have mm. to all do it together, all four. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, uh, how do these justices become justices? How are they appointed to the court? Some years ago, they were asked to sit on the bench, but now it's like any other job in that way that you have to apply. Um, wow. And then there is, which are for all judges and justices, this board, the judicial board that will um, take a whole uh, kind of um, recruitment procedure in the way yeah. Uh, with interviews and with checking uh, what has been said of them before. But it's not political. It's more two things. How competent are they in general and what are their area of expertise? Uh, for instance, we are looking for a family law uh, expert here. Uh, we don't have that. Or we have now a lot of attorney background. We would like more judge background or we would have a prosecutor background in, in that sense, but it's not, not any political. And also this list will always be followed by uh, the government when it decides. So it's not really 
at all any political influence, but it's still with the discussions going on in the world. And, and there has been some um, examples in Europe about countries where independence has been risked for the judges. Yeah. There is a suggestion to strengthen this even further to make this board a, a more, even more independent council of judges proposing. I think still maybe the government will decide in the end, uh, but yeah, to ensure independence and uh, yeah. But it's basically a not political process. It's, you Mm. know, uh, they evaluate how good a judge the person could be. As you said, what kind of specialist they are, you know, Mm. those sorts of things. What are the age limits for service for judges? Yeah, in the Supreme Court, at least, it's 69 years. Could be a bit lower in the other courts, but uh, there's a possibility to ask someone to step down. But I think it's also, if that person wants to continue, he or she can do that. And also in the in the lower courts, it's very normal now because we have a problem with recruiting new, younger judges mm. that you have uh, retired judges stepping in and uh, doing some, um, well, judge work uh, again. Right. Just to help with the, the work that, because you don't... Yeah, know yeah, them. yeah. Mm. Both in the first instance and in second instance also, yeah. And I guess I want to talk about a couple other things as we're getting closer to the end of our time together. Uh, one is, you've said that it's not political, the, the work, mm-hmm. but there must be some things that, uh, you know, have political problems in the judiciary. So are there any issues that that are political for the Swedish judiciary? Well, sometimes... Now and again, it's this with the lay judges, because maybe not that they are uh, acting politically, but some, the latest kind of thing that happened was that there was a judgment quite debated about sex crime and and, Mm. and, and acquittal and and criticized. And it happened uh, maybe by coincidence that the two judges in the second level was from the same party and yeah. the, the party called them to a meeting and after that they resigned. So nobody really know what happened at the meeting, but they were maybe told that you shouldn't continue. And of course, that's a bit problematic because if the political party, well, of course, they can do anything with their members or officials in the party. But if this party members or judges, they can't just tell them to stop being judges. So that was a bit, has been discussed. And uh, that, well, of course, you shouldn't have any consequences like that because you are a judge. And the, the judges in Sweden, the legal judges are appointed for life. Well, of course, not the, the lay judges then, but... yeah. So, I mean, some basically some political pressure seems to have been brought on them due to yeah. what their decision mm. was. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that certainly is an interesting problem. And also sometimes if the outcome is dictated by lay judges, it could be sometimes uh, in the media as a bit of a scandal. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Debate no, arises if we should have them or not. 
No, that mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about, because, you know, of course, I'm a lawyer and I want to hear about my colleagues overseas, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound to me like in the Swedish system, it makes sense to have a specialist for the second instance, a lawyer no. who only does second instance. No, cases. no. As you might remember, one of our first contacts via Twitter was that I asked you about this because that role seemed a bit exotic for yeah. Swedish uh, judge or practitioner. I think that the procedure is quite similar from the first instance procedure. And um, what happens here is that uh, if you change lawyer, it could be more that you want somebody more specialized. So if you're having a labor law, tax law case or IP law, and you think that maybe your house lawyer was good enough for first instance, you might want to have a specialist and change for that reason in the area of, of law or If you are convicted from a crime, you want to have a more experienced uh, crime lawyer or a more famous lawyer in change for that reason. But we don't have this specializing in different kind of court of appeal procedure uh, and so on. And uh, is that same thing true for the Supreme Court of Sweden? You yeah. might get a more bigger specialist, like a more famous lawyer, but it's not a Supreme Court specialist. No, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And then one other question about the legal work in Sweden. So, again, it sounds very oral. So you come to court and you you show the evidence and, and this and that. But it does not sound like you write a long document to give to the mm. Court of Second Instance. Is there such mm-hmm. a document or no? Yeah, there are documents and they could be sometimes long. Also, it depends on the case. And sometimes the case could be handled uh, only in writing and without any hearing if ah. the parties agree and if there are no oral evidence. But uh, the usual thing would be a hearing. And uh, I know a bit too little about your briefs and so, but it's not really standardized uh, how how the writing should be i mean it depends i would say on the case before you come to a main hearing there could be some exchanging of documents yeah i guess you have also is it true that part of the procedure could take place outside the court where you have this interrogate witnesses yeah. just lawyers present we don't have that it's just It has to be a, a judge present. Yeah. It's only sort of inside the court proceedings. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, in the United States, we have something called a deposition. And yeah. that's a, a sworn interrogation in front of a lawyer. And mm. then when the person comes to court and testifies again, and let's say they changed what they say from the deposition, you can mm. say, well, why are you changing your testimony now? And it's mm. a way to understand what the testimony is going to be at the court. Mm. Mm. So we don't have that in the civil cases. Of course, during police investigation, they will put that down in writing. So course, they yeah. could refer to uh, what has been said in, in the police interrogations. So let me end with two questions about the broader context of the Swedish system. First of all, how do Swedish appellate courts, how do you, when you're thinking about a judgment, think about your colleagues in other countries. So maybe 
the other Scandinavian countries or in the European Union? Or what role does that play for you? Mm, I would say uh, maybe that's uh, a drawback or we should do more about that, that we don't look too much uh, into other countries' practice except for maybe then the European court, uh, the EU court and the Court of Human Rights, because these questions can be raised both in terms of EU-based legislation, but also in procedure that somebody says that my right to fair trial has been violated. And then, then it could be interesting to see some of what the practice of the Court of Human Rights has said on that subject, but I would say those two. And of course, it happens, but more seldom that within the disputes, there are maybe a case of uh, this should be handled in Sweden or in Stockholm, but it should be US law or something like yeah, this, yeah, of yeah. course, then, then we have to, but that's very special and not so yeah, no, and of course, American courts deal with choice of law problems too. Yeah. But we do not generally look to the law of other countries to help understand you know, our own. So it sounds a little like Sweden in that way. And so let me end with this question. What are you proud of or what does Sweden do really great in the judicial system that mm. maybe my American audience can learn something from? I would say that it's our development of having these clear and understandable languages in the, both documents and in the way the parties and witnesses are greeted or received in the court also. And that also might be that some of them are self-represented, that uh, we try to have. And it's also not only to be kind or service-minded, but that we have realized that you have uh, less appeals that way if the parties mm. understand, really understand why you can get this. Okay, I maybe not like this uh, outcome, but I was fairly treated and I have understood everything and taken it to heart that way. So I think that way and also combined with this that we have we strive for being open, the judges and the courts, to the public, which is helped by this very long tradition of uh, public access to documents. So both the media and the, the public will get very quickly hand of if they are asking for documents that are public. Of course, some could be um, confidential if there are you want to keep the identity of, of a victim, uh, so you, you uh, can't hand out this. But in other ways, it, it normally you get it uh, very quickly. And uh, so the, there is before, I would say, the judges were a bit hesitant to have any contact with the media. And they thought that they would only write bad things about our judgments. They are kind of the enemy like this. But yeah. But now the policy in some years is that you you speak um, with the public and, and address the public, educate the public through the media. Uh, and uh, so there's been a development of press releases when you have especially a high-profile case. Uh, and um, so you get quite quickly out in a nutshell what this was about. It's been quite effective, really. Well, and let me end with this question then which is you are on Twitter, which is very unusual, I think, for a European judge. 
and I really like you how you use Twitter. It's really effective and friendly. Mm, and um, so why do you do it? Why did you think it was important? Yeah, I thought it was important because to try to inform and try to maybe put a face, uh, I try to mix them mostly, but now the, maybe the balance has turned a little bit. I mix uh, informing about things concerning trials and courts with this thing with street art, which is just my hobby, maybe to show that, okay, a judge could have hobbies also. A judge yeah. is a human being, <laughs> which <Yeah. laughs> not everybody knows. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> but then again, it's very fruitful. I have found out to make international contacts. I'm very happy that I made contact with you, for instance. So I try to look out for, like you said, you can see some countries a bit more normal with judges being there. But I tried to make a list of all of them. I think it's a kind of hashtag with the judges international or something that try to collect uh, uh, all the judges because I think it's a potential there. And I'm very happy that you are doing this, uh, really commend you to this work with your podcast. But I have to ask you before I remember, why the duck? Ah, the duck. <laughs> so uh, I had a, a blog in law school in 2001 when I was at Harvard Law School. And the name of my blog was Waddling Thunder. So waddling like how a duck moves and then ah, okay, thunder. And okay. so the picture I used always was a duck for my blog. Ah, and okay. so the duck mm. is a sort of calling back to when I was a student and I had my blog. Ah. <laughs> yeah, mm, I don't, yeah. you know, and it's it, it makes it seem not so serious and uh, more casual, mm. I think, than some kind mm. of very serious legal pictures maybe i spoiled the mystery now it's, oh no it's uh, fine <laughs> I, i'm happy to talk <laughs> about it but uh. but i think i mean it's very nice to have this exchange also and uh, i've been a part of the, the swedish courts has uh, a group of judges that are sent out to some other countries in europe close to neighboring to the eu because it's a kind of gram from the EU to strengthen judicial stability mm. in those countries. And, and you get a lot of, of just uh, comparing and uh, reflecting like you do now on your own. Sometimes we should have that, or I'm thankful that we are not uh, having <laughs> this kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I think that's right, both ways. And, uh, Whether you're, mm. you learn something or maybe you think, no, the way we do it is better than that. Either is fine. Well, well, thank you for your very kind comments. And I, I think it's great to learn this way from my colleagues overseas. So thank you, Judge Svan, for being on my show. I really appreciate your time and uh, your discussion today. Everyone else, thank you for listening to The Appellate Wanderer. If you have any feedback for me, please leave it for me on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show or on my Twitter handle at RMFifthCircuit. On Twitter, I'm also on Blue Sky now at the same handle, so you can find me there. Thank you so much for listening to this show, and I hope we can explore more of the world together. 